As you know, we've just come away from Thanksgiving. Next week, A.J. and I will begin a new series of sermons focusing on Christmas entitled Jesus, the Hope for a Weary World. It's going to be a great series. We're going to look at Isaiah and look at his prophecy, and it's going to be wonderful. I encourage you to be here. It's Isaiah chapter 9 we're going to focus on. So I hope and pray you're here every one of those sermons. Now, today, I want to speak to you on the subject, thankful. Now, we've come out of Thanksgiving, a national holiday. And we automatically assume that, well, we're supposed to thank God on Thanksgiving Day. And we should, amen. But I want you to understand something. Being thankful is something that God expects out of us 365 days out of the year. He expects us to have a thankful heart. It's easy to be thankful when things are good. And it's difficult to be thankful when things are not so good. And the real test of our faith, the real test of our faith is this. Can we be thankful to God during the times that God gives us roses? And can we be thankful to God during the times when God gives us thorns? It's hard. I'm reminded of something that happened in Darlene's in my life. Uh, Darlene was diagnosed with COVID. She went into the hospital, was there for nine weeks. She almost died twice. On October the 5th, 2021, I wrote this in a journal and I put it on Facebook for you to read. Well, it's been a big day for Darlene. First, they put a trait collar on her and totally disconnected her from the vent. Let me tell you, that was a hallelujah day. She's tolerating it well. Second, she's made the move to Baptist Restorative Care Unit on the main campus of Baptist Hospital. Now the therapy begins in earnest. I must say that the doctors and nurses at the Baptist Carnival ICU did a wonderful job of taking care of my precious wife. I'm so grateful. You hear that? I'm so grateful. Finally, there's no way I could ever express proper gratitude to all of you who have been praying so faithfully for Darlene's healing. Now let's pray for her to recover her strength and her ability to eat and to talk. To God be the glory, great things he has done. See, we've got to learn to be thankful to God during the good times, yes, but also being thankful to God during the bad times. I'm reminded of Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, where the Bible says this. Now, when Daniel knew that the document signed, remember, his enemies uh, urged the king to make sure that nobody in, in all the kingdom prayed to anybody but the king. And they knew Daniel well. They knew that Daniel was a man of faith. And the Bible says, now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. 
Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving, listen, and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Daniel knew that it was important to thank God in the good times, and it was important to thank God in the bad times. Now, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we're to be thankful to God in everything. It didn't say we're to be thankful to God for everything, but we're to be thankful to God in everything. The, the importance of, of thanksgiving, a thankful heart, is highlighted throughout the Bible. We would be here a long time today if I read all the verses related to having a thankful heart toward God. Let me just read a few select verses. In Psalm 100, verse 4, the Bible says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. In Psalm 107, verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, notice, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. In Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 to 17, the Bible says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give you, now listen, we give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. I'm telling you, friend, the Bible says that we are to have a thankful heart in every Thing. Now, God knows who is truly thankful and who is not. You do understand that, don't you? You may be here today and you say, well, pastor, nobody will ever know if I'm thankful in everything or not. Well, let me tell you, your, your, your parents may not know, your spouse may not know, your friends may not know, but I can tell you one who knows, God knows if you have a thankful heart or not. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and then verse 21, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. For even though they knew God, listen, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, but realize this, that in the last days, by the way, we're living in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. Listen to this, ungrateful and unholy, like a poisonous potion. A failure to be thankful to God will sap the joy from our lives and rob us of God's multitude of blessings that he wants to pour out into our lives. I'm going to tell you, it is a dangerous thing to not have a thankful heart toward God in everything. Now, the first century believers in Corinth were a carnal bunch. They were carnal carnal to the core. But it's interesting when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Go ahead and take your Bible and turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. It's interesting how the Apostle Paul begins that letter. He begins it by calling them to be thankful, to be thankful as a response to the grace of God that had been so freely bestowed upon them, even though they certainly did not deserve it. By the way, we don't either, do we? we? We don't deserve God's goodness. We don't deserve God's grace or God's mercy. But my friend, that's who God is. And God has been so good to us. How could we not have a thankful heart in everything. In fact, Paul championed this approach to life by pointing out three reasons right here in verses 1 to 9 why we can be thankful to God in everything. Three reasons right here out of the text. Let's begin. Let's look at, at chapter, chapter 1, verses one to nine. Let me just read it first. Paul, called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm to the end blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that in the first century, 
the Holy Spirit of God inspired every word that Paul included in this letter. And I thank you, Lord, that in the very beginning of this first letter to the Corinthian church, Paul lays out three powerful reasons that every believer, regardless of their circumstances, can be thankful to you in everything. Lord, I pray that you would take your word today and by the power of the Spirit of God, make it come alive in our hearts. And I pray that every person in this building, every person watching live stream who calls themselves believers would allow you to produce and develop in them a thankful heart. We love you, Lord. Have your way in our lives this morning. Speak to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me give you reason number one, that you can be thankful to God in everything, whether God gives you roses or whether God gives you thorns. Number one, you can be thankful for redeeming grace, redeeming grace. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, look at it again. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. It's interesting, as you study Paul's epistles, many times in the beginning of those epistles, he talks about grace. He talks about being thankful to God for the church and the people in the church. Even in the carnal Corinthian church, he finds something to thank God for. You know what he thanked God for? He thanked God for his redeeming grace by which he saved the sinners there in Corinth and made them into new creations in Christ Jesus. He thanked them. He thanked God for grace. Now, what is grace? Well, God's, grace is God's unmerited favor and mercy. God's grace is not an offer to save us if we never sin again. That's not grace. If that were true, then our salvation would be based on merit, not grace. And God's grace is not an offer to save us if we pay God back. You can't ever pay God back. I don't care if you were to live, be a million years old, you could never pay God back for what he's done in your life, the salvation he has given to you. John MacArthur wrote this, and I quote, he said, by his work on the cross, Christ fulfilled the demands of God's justice by taking the penalty of our sins upon himself. And this was God's supreme, supreme provision of grace. When Jesus Christ became guilty for our sin, the price was paid in his death. And once God sovereignly acts in grace to forgive a person's sin because of trust in his son's work, that person is totally, listen to this, is totally and forever free of guilt. Wow. He stands in grace, which is continually dispensed to him. All guilt is removed and can never return. Grace is God's gift that completely and permanently overrules guilt. When God saves, he ultimately takes away all sin, all guilt, all punishment. That is grace. Aren't you glad for God's grace? Oswald Chambers made this statement. 
He said, the thing that awakens the deepest well of gratitude in a human being is that God has forgiven sin. Listen, if you can't, if you can't thank God for anything in the world, you can thank God for his redeeming grace. Because without his redeeming grace, you would be lost. Without his redeeming grace, you would be consigned to hell for all of eternity. You may be going through a difficult time today. Things may not be going well in your marriage. Things may not be going well in your finances. But I'm telling you, dear friend, based upon the authority of God's word, I'm telling you that you can and you must be thankful to God in everything you face, whether it's good or whether it's bad. You can thank God for redeeming grace. You say, well, pastor, I don't know much I can thank God for today. I tell you, you can thank God for redeeming grace. And number two, you can thank God for enriching grace. Enriching grace. Regardless of what you might be facing today. You can be thankful for enriching grace. Look at verse five. That in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech, and knowledge. You, you see, here's the, here's the thing we've got to ask ourselves today. Are you as thankful as God is gracious? Think about that, that little question. Are you as thankful as God is gracious? So there is redeeming grace. There is enriching grace. That in everything, you know, in everything, you were enriched in him. The Christian, listen, if you're a born-again believer, you are filthy rich. You, you say, Pastor, you haven't seen my checkbook lately. You haven't seen my wallet lately. I'm telling you on the authority of God's word, you are filthy rich. In Christ, you are filthy rich. You are rich in all speech. God has graciously given every believer the gift of speech to bring glory and honor to God by sharing the gospel with those who need to be saved. And, and he's given you all knowledge. God has graciously given you the gift of knowledge to know what to say and when you need to say it. You know, sometimes you don't need to say something, but a lot of times you're supposed to say something and God's given you the gift of speech and the gift of knowledge to know what to say and when to say it. A true believer is not lacking in any gift that is required to live for the Lord. You say, Pastor, God makes a lot of requirements upon us as believers, and he does. Do you know that God expects you to love your enemies? It's in the Word. Do you know that God expects you to forgive people who hurt you, even though they don't ask for forgiveness? It's in the Word. Do you know that God expects you to get out of your comfort zone and to share the gospel with those who need to be saved? It's in the word. And there, there's a whole laundry list of things that God expects out of us. But I'm telling you, God has equipped you through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, with everything you need to obey him and to live in victory. Everything. You're rich. In Christ, you are rich. In Ephesians 1.3, let me prove it to you. In Ephesians 1.3, the Bible says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You say, well, I'm a believer, but I don't feel too blessed. Well, I don't, I don't care how you feel. The fact is, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 7 Paul wrote, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, hold on, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Not only is, is God gracious to us now, not only does God bless us with spiritual blessings now, but for all of eternity, we will be the recipients of God's eternal blessing. Look at verse 6. So in verse 5, that in everything you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. Verse 6, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, the witness of God's glorious grace in the lives of these Corinthian believers was real because they put their faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Many of you have done the same thing. You came to a point in your life and the Holy Spirit of God convicted you of your sin. By the way, let me give you heaven, heaven's math, okay? You ready? Now, there's a lot of new math being taught today where two plus two can equal six if you think it is. But I, let me give you heaven's math. Guilt plus grace equals gratitude. Guilt we're all guilty. We're all sinners. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. Plus grace, we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, equals gratitude. How could we as believers not be overflowing with gratitude in our hearts regardless of the situation we might find ourselves in? Listen, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, that we're standing in grace. If you're a believer, you are standing in grace. You didn't just receive grace when you were saved. You are standing in grace, and you will be standing in grace for the rest of eternity. That's the picture. In Romans 5, 1 and 2, the Bible says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace, you see it there? Into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. Now look at verse 7. So that you are not lacking in any gift. Do you, do you, do you hear what Paul is writing to these Corinthian believers? The word gift comes from charisma, which is a word that we get gift from. Spiritual gifts was a big deal there in the, the church in Corinth. And God says to them, based upon their repentance and faith in Christ, that every spiritual gift that he wants them to have, they have. 
You have spiritual gifts. Every believer in here has a spiritual gift or gifts. And God has given them to you as an act of grace. And you can thank God for his grace, for his grace gift that he has bestowed upon you. Now, those gifts have been given to us to glorify God and to advance his kingdom and to build up each other as believers. So let me ask you a question. Are you as thankful as God is gracious? Just look at your own heart. Don't look at your wife or your husband or your children or your parents or your friend. Look at your own heart. Are you as thankful as God is gracious? We should be. Because God has made available to us redeeming grace and enriching grace. And number three, he's made available to us confirming grace. Confirming grace. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 7 through 9 again. So that you are not lacking in any gift, look at this, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. As born-again believers, we anxiously await. We are eager for our Lord Jesus Christ to come again. By the way, he's coming again. He's coming in glory. He's coming in splendor. And I believe, friend, it could be very near based upon what's happening in the world today. The birth pangs that Jesus described in Matthew 24 are getting closer together and they're getting harder and harder. And it's an indication that his return is near. Are you ready? Are you eagerly anticipating the return of Jesus Christ? We should as believers. You know why? Because we know the best is yet to come. You will never have your best in this life. Never. Not in a jillion years. But I'll tell you where you'll have your best. You'll have your best when you see Jesus and you are transformed and you become like him and you enter into the place that he's prepared for you and you're there in heaven with him, serving him, glorifying him, magnifying him, worshiping him. That's where you'll find your best. And we should look for that. Look at this. It says he will confirm you to the end. What does that mean? Blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he's talking about the preservation of the state of grace in the life of a believer. I want you to understand that the Bible teaches that when you repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus, you are saved. You are saved forever. You're not saved based upon what you do. You're not saved based upon how, how many good works you can stack up. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And the Bible says that God promises you the gift of eternal life and the gift of abundant life. Let me tell you, God keeps his promises. The word blameless here, I love the word blameless. Look at it again. It says in verse, verse uh, 7, so that you are not lacking any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end. Blameless 
in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You realize this? That when Jesus comes, or when you die and you step into eternity, you are going to be viewed at God's throne as being blameless. Blameless means not merely unaccusable, but unaccused, free from any legal charge. You know why? Because Jesus paid the price for your sins and he separated your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. In the book of Micah, the prophet Micah said that he cast our sins into the deepest part of the ocean. Wow. How glorious is it that the true believer can stand before the one true perfect holy God and literally be perfect and flawless. In Jude 24 and 25, the Bible says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. My goodness. Think about it. One day, every one of us is going to stand before God. Now, if, if you're not saved, unfortunately, you will hear Jesus say to you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And you'll be cast into hell. And you'll be separated from God for all of eternity. You say, Pastor, do you really believe that's true? Absolutely. You know why I believe it's true? Because it's right here in the Word of God. It's true. And I pray, I pray that everybody within the sound of my voice who has never repented of their sin and received Jesus by faith as Savior and Lord, that today you'll settle the issue and you'll come to Christ and you will be gloriously saved and forgiven and ready to stand before God, blameless with great joy in the day of judgment. But if you're a believer... And you ought, to click, you, you ought to jump so high in the air that you can click your heels about three times before you hit the ground. You know why? Because when you stand before God, he's not going to remind you of any sin you ever committed. He won't remind you, ladies, of that abortion. He won't remind you of that immorality. He won't remind you of those filthy words that spewed out of your mouth at one time in your life. He won't remind you of the time that you took something that did not belong to you. He won't remind you of the pornography that you looked at as a man. You know why? He won't remind you of that because it's gone. It's gone. Jesus paid for it. It's separated from you. And you will stand in the presence of God blameless with what? Great joy. Wow. Am I the only one getting fired up here today? Man, I'm telling you, this is good stuff. Now, Paul closes with a truth that is sure to bless your soul. He says in in verse 9, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is why Paul had confidence here. 
Paul didn't have confidence based upon his position as an apostle. He had confidence based upon the fact that God is faithful. He's faithful. I love Philippians 1, 6. Paul wrote, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it unto the day of Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul wrote, for this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed in, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Let me tell you, when God starts something in your life as a believer, he's going to finish it. He is faithful. Even when we are unfaithful, he is faithful. Alex Haley, the author of Roots, had an unusual picture hanging on his office while he was being interviewed one day. And this interviewer noticed this picture on the wall. And it was a picture of a turtle on top of a fence post. And he asked, explain that picture to me. And Alex Haley made this statement. He said, every time I write something significant, every time I read my words and think they are wonderful and begin to feel proud of myself, I look at the turtle on top of the fence post and remember that he didn't get there on his own. He had help. And that's a good example for us to follow. That's the basis of a thankful heart in the life of a believer. To remember that all of our blessings and all of our accomplishments are the result of God's grace in our lives. So here's the question. Are you as thankful as God is gracious? That's what it all boils down to today. Now listen, if you're a believer... God has flooded your life with grace, redeeming grace, enriching grace, confirming grace. He wants you to have a thankful heart. I'm reminded of the words of the great hymn, Count Your Many Blessings. Let me just read that hymn to you. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, maybe you're discouraged here today, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly, and you will be seen as the days go by. When you look at others with their lands and gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings. Money cannot buy your reward in heaven nor your home on high. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your many blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God hath done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God hath done. Oh, if you're a believer, 
you ought to count your blessings every single day. In fact, you ought to keep a record of them. You ought to keep a, a record of the blessings of God in your life once a week. Just once a week, just sit down and write down how God has blessed you that week and thank him for it. And then at the end of the year, you should have 52 weeks of blessings that God gave you that you can go back and rehearse and just thank him again for those blessings he gave you that year. I would encourage you, journal the blessings of God in your life. Are you an unbeliever in this room? God has promised that you too can receive these amazing blessings, the redeeming grace, enriching grace, and confirming grace. But here's the catch. These blessings will not be yours until you repent of your sin and you receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord by faith. See, it's not, you, you, these blessings don't come to you just because you're a church member or, or just, because, just because you try to do the right thing. These blessings, these three blessings we've looked at today only come to you and are made real in your life when you appropriate them through repentance and faith in Christ. And I want to invite you to come to, 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 to Christ today in, in saving faith. I'm going to ask our worship team to come, our staff to come, and we want to give you an opportunity. If you're a believer here today, and I've asked you a question here today, are you as thankful as God is gracious? And maybe the Spirit of God has zinged your heart, and you say, no, I'm not. I want to invite you to come to the altar. Just come to the altar and ask the Holy Spirit to create in you a thankful heart. Or maybe you want to come to the altar and just spend some time praying and thanking God for what he's done in your life. We all have so much to be thankful for. And if you're a believer here today and, and God has really spoken to you about reaching out to someone, maybe you need to write a note to somebody that's done something special for you, really helped you. Or maybe you need to call them and just say, hey, I'm thankful to you. Or maybe, husbands, you need to be thankful for your wife and tell her that you're thankful for her. I'll tell you, being thankful is a powerful antidote to what's happening in the world today and will keep you on the right path. Now listen, if you're not a believer, I wanna invite you to come to one of our staff members and just tell them today, I want to be saved. I want that redeeming grace. I want that enriching grace. I want that confirming grace in my life. You come as God leads you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit would use the Word of God to really do a work in our hearts today. I, I pray that you do a work in believers' hearts and a work in unbelievers' hearts, bringing them to faith in Christ. Lord, glorify yourself today in Jesus' name.